0: Shalom and welcome to Am Levadad Yishkon, number 20. We're, middle, we're in the middle of discussing the Emot Mashiach, the Messianic Era. And as we, we've already begun to explain, and as will become even clearer in the last, in the final session or two of this series, everything we've been talking about since the beginning of these discussions has pointed in one direction. And that is that history is moving towards a goal, uh, which is the goal of all of human existence, The goal of Yemot HaMashiach, or of the Geulah, the redemption of the entire world. And the history of the Jewish people is inextricably intertwined with that uh, ultimate goal. And everything we do as individuals and as a nation has an impact on that. Either it it can contribute to and hasten the coming of that redemption, or alternatively, it can hinder uh, and delay. Uh, the, that that eventuality, with the effect also of causing additional difficulties and suffering for ourselves, uh, we've spoken about that before, and we'll tie it all together um, in the last few weeks. But I would like to first just um, clarify or go into a little bit more depth about something that we raised in the previous uh, session. We saw that the nevi'im. Uh, the prophets, both, both the Torah itself and the Navim, use a lot of descriptive terminology to describe the ultimate state that the world's going to reach. There's definitely certain facts that seem to be very clear in the picture. Uh, Am Yisrael returns to, to Eretz Yisrael. That was clear already from the promises to Abraham and Breshit and made even more explicit in the, the end of the Tochacha in the book of Dvarim. Um there's a reference to some sort of a leader uh who comes apparently from the descendants of David and Yishai, as we saw in Yeshayahu last time. There's this concept of peace on earth, of universal knowledge of God, of all nations coming to Yerushalayim and recognizing the truth of 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 God and the truth of Am Yisrael's role of coming to Yerushalayim and saying har Hashem mm-hmm. el of all the nations wanting to learn Torah and uh, in some way to follow the Torah Torah Hashem so there are certain certain general principles that are very very clear and yet much is unclear um, in fact so so unclear is it that the Rambam and both this time and next time, we'll be referring to the Rambam, uh, very important. Who wrote two very important chapters? Actually, the very final two chapters of his Mishneh Torah, the end of Hilchot Melachim, the Rambam discusses these matters, and he tells us in the twelfth chapter of Hilchot Melachim, in Parak Yud Bet Halacha Bet, the Rambam tells us. Elu Hadvarim, I'm reading from the middle of the halacha here. Hadvarim Lo Adam Ad Everything related to the ultimate redemption, nobody will really understand exactly how it's going to happen until it actually happens. Uh, the words of the prophets are very, very vague and and and, and unclear. and here the Rambam makes a statement that is actually quite radical if you think about it. He says, Last week, we read uh, a number of samples from the Gemara and Masechet Sanhedrin, which I uh, indicated were just really a random, almost random sampling of many, many, many statements of Chazal on these matters. And normally when we open up the Gemara or when we open up Midrashai Hazal, and we find statements there, we treat them with a certain level of authority. These are not simply, uh, if we read a Mishnah or a, a statement, let's say, of Rabbi Akiva or of or of Rabbi Tarfon or Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Meir, or if we read uh, statements of Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi we quoted last week, or later on, the Amoraim, Abaye, Virava, Rav and Shmuel, any of those uh, luminaries that that are recorded in the in the Mishnah and the Talmud and the other literature of Chazal, we treat those statements not simply as the personal opinions of uh, particularly great rabbis, but as part of an authentic tradition. Part of them is sorah. And that's why statements in the Gemara have a certain level of authority. But on this particular issue, in terms of explaining to us what's going to happen when the final redemption occurs, the Rambam actually tells us that they don't have that particular level of authority. And that the statements that are found in the Talmud are simply attempts to understand, simply uh, personal opinions. That's what he says here. The chachamim, mini chazal, the rabbis in the mission of the Talmud, do not have a tradition on these matters. All they can try to do is understand what it says in the in the Tanach. And therefore, that's a very very uh, profound. Uh, and actually very, very dramatic statement. And uh, we're going to have to try to understand what that means for you and me, because as it will be clear probably in the next podcast, um, this is not simply a theoretical discussion, but there are actually requirements in halacha that bind you and me and all of us and require us to act in a certain way uh, that require us to have certain beliefs about the about not just beliefs but actions, we'll see, based on those beliefs related to found difficulties. But we'll return to that Bezrat Hashem, a little bit further on. First, I'd lead to the idea of the coming of the Mashiach, or the coming of this uh, redemption. In the last podcast, we mentioned the pasuk, or the actually the two or three pasukim in Yeshayahu, which seem to describe a fundamental change even in the laws of nature. We saw that Yeshayahu tells us him keves that uh, that a, a wolf will be able to live together with a with a with a with a sheep, and a lion will will eat grass, and, and a cow and a bear can can live together. In other words, there seems to be this description where even the wild animals that, according to the laws of nature attack other animals, that's going to change. And we saw that there are some authorities who who take that literally, who actually believe that the uh, the laws of nature will change. The Rambam is not of that opinion. And to see that, let's take a look at the first halacha of that same chapter, Perik Yud Bet, chapter 12 of Hilchot Malachim. The Rambam writes, "Al One should not think that one should not think that anything is going to change as far as the actual way the world works oh or that the laws of nature will change in any way the world will continue to go exactly as it goes now nothing is going to change Those psukim and Yishayahu that we just mentioned, which we said some take literally, the Rambam says these are not to be taken literally, but rather should be viewed as an allegory. Meaning a literal wolf and a literal lamb, the wolf will still attack the lamb. A lion literally will not eat grass. A lion will still be a predator. These things are not going to change. And that's not what Yishayahu was trying to tell us. Yishayahu was speaking metaphorically. And what did he mean? In Yana that Am Yisrael which is represented allegorically there as the weak and defenseless animals the the, the cow and the goat etc they will be able to live in peace with the mighty nations of the world who are represented metaphorically there as the predators. In other words, the Rambam understands those psukim not as describing a change in the physical world, but rather a historical development um, among humanity. Um, And it says that these, these, these evil nations, which currently prey on other nations like a wolf and a tiger, Uh, they will all understand the truth and basically do tshuva, they will repent their ways, they won't steal any longer, they won't destroy any any longer. Um, And that's how we understand something. In the next halacha, he says, He quotes a line from the Talmud, which he understands as... As uh, indicating that that understanding, which is that the change that 's going to happen in the world is going to be a historical change, not in the nature of animals and not really in human nature either, human nature is not going to change it 's just that society will progress to the point in which um, in which the world will be different, there will be peace, nations will not fight with other nations anymore because Human society will evolve to the point that people recognize the truth, but not due to some fundamental change in the nature of the universe. We're going to return next week, Bezrat Hashem, to the Rambam. But before doing that, I just want to... And and I think it's important to do so because the Rambam, for reasons that I'll go into next week, I think deserves special attention. But before we do that, I want to make clear that the Rambam is not the only opinion here, and it's not the Rambam's position, which is very well known is not the only position out there. And in fact, there are those who disagree. And I'd like to spend a few moments to look at a position of the Ramban. The Ramban, uh, in two different places, in his commentary to the Torah, uh, addresses the way in which he understands the world going in the days of the Mashiach. And let's go back to Dvarim Perek Lamed. If you recall, we spoke about this two times ago, the Torah there promises that at the end of time, after all the sufferings that Am Yisrael goes through, eventually we're going to the Tshuva, and we will be brought back to Eretz Yisrael, and it speaks about Kibbutz Galuyot. And towards the end there, there's a very, very enigmatic pasuk. It says, "Umal Hashem Elokecha Levavcha veed Zarecha, which literally means Hashem will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your children. And it says it's going to lead to li'ahavat Hashem lokecha. It's going to lead you to love Hashem, and it's going to lead you to, to follow all of His mitzvot. But what exactly does that mean, that Hashem is going to circumcise our hearts? So let's take a look at what the Ramban has to say on that. He writes, Umal Hashem levavcha. This is the perush of the Ramban, and Dvarim Perek Lamid. He writes the following. Umal Hashem levavcha. He quotes the Gemara Masechet Shabbat, which says that if a person wants to purify himself, Hashem helps him do so. The Torah promises you, The Torah promises that if you if you uh, return to God with all of your heart, He'll help you. But then he goes on and explains that it's it's more than that. He says one of the fundamental Realities of human existence, which is clear from the entire Torah as well as from just looking around and seeing the world, is that people have what we call bichirach Chofshit. shit. People have the ability to freely choose to do good or to evil, or to do evil, to be righteous or to be or to be evil, a tzaddik or a rasha. And the reason for that is that there will be value; it will be meritorious; it'll be meaningful if they choose uh, that which is good, and they'll be held accountable and punished if they. Choose evil. When Mashiach comes, the choice of good, the good choice will be, will be natural. It'll come naturally to us. The heart will not desire that which is not worthy. People aren't going to have any desire to do wrong. People are going to naturally want to be good. That's what the Torah refers to here when it refers to circumcising the heart. Just like in the actual milah, the actual circumcision, there's a piece of skin cord called, called the orla, which covers something up, and in, in removing the orla, that which is underneath is revealed. So, that's the metaphor used here. The uh, evil desires, the yetzer hara, those aspects of human psychology, which which cause us to desire to do the wrong thing, that's like a artificial covering, like a foreskin, like an orla, that covers up the heart. And prevents the true desires of the person from coming out. Umolalev, and therefore circumcised in the heart, who shal yachmo vilo yit that there will be no longer any sort of desire to do things that are wrong. Vyishuv haadam basmana hahu la asher haya viyashuvha adam. Bismanahu La Asher Hayah kodem chet o shel adam harishon. Man at that time will go back to the way he was prior to the sin of Adam Harishon, to the sin of Adam and Chava in Gan Eden, Shahaya Ose Bitivo Mashera Ulasot because back then man would by nature do that which was um that which uh, he um he should be doing. And he never wanted to do the wrong thing. As I explained, says the Ramban in the book of Breshit, Perek Bet Pasuk Ted. So let's go back there and see what he's talking about. If we go back to Breshit, Perek Bet Pasuk Ted. There, it talks about the Eitz Hachayim the Eitz Hadad Tovara. If you recall, we all know, of course, there was this, the Torah describes this tree. That was in the center of Gan Eden, which it was forbidden to eat from. A tree which is described in the Torah as Eitz Hadat Tov vara. And that's a very, very enigmatic, uh, I think we talked about it in one of the early podcasts. It's a very enigmatic image. It's not clear exactly what that means. First of all, why is Da'at Tov vara? Why is knowing that which is good and that which is bad, why is that something we wouldn't want a person to have? Why does Hashem uh, prohibit that. And before eating from the tree, uh, Adam and Chava were naked and apparently that caused no problem. They weren't ashamed to be naked. And of course, after eating from the tree, it became necessary for them to wear clothing. And they were punished as a result of eating from that tree and um, and were expelled from Gan Eden. So, what exactly does that mean? The Ramban, in his commentary to the book of Breshit, attempts to understand that, and he quotes a number of different opinions, and he says the following, This is what he believes is correct. The physical world, the inanimate objects of the world, the planets, the the stars, the sun and the moon, all the heavenly bodies are described poetically in Tehillim as doing God's will, right? But they do this not by free choice. They do this because it's their nature. The sun rises in the morning and sets at night. That's just the way things are. The laws of gravity, the laws of nature, those are God's will and nature faithfully carries out God's will without any free choice of its own and nature never rebels against God and does the wrong thing. Um, And man was originally that way as well. When man was created, he did that which was right by his very nature. Eating from this tree Whatever that means, because it's not necessarily clear that this was a physical tree, but the, what's described in the Torah as eating from this tree was, was doing something which would introduce into man the desire to do evil. In other words, what we call the Yetzer Hara. He translates the word Da'at, not as the knowledge of good and evil, but the desire for good and evil. And he quotes a psukim to um, to justify that interpretation says the and therefore even even sexual relations were something that was part of human nature, of course, but it wasn 't something that led to illicit desires, and therefore there was no reason to cover the intimate organs. The, the private, intimate organs of a person were no different than hands or face, and there was no need to cover any part of the body because people saw the world with a certain clarity. Everything has a purpose, and it was seen that way. Um, but but upon eating from the uh, the Eitz Hadat, we received this um, desire... Not not the sexual desire itself, but desire to do evil. The Yetzir the dark side of human nature, was introduced as a result of this sin. And that's the Urla Lalev. That is the, so to speak, covering that prevents our true nature from being revealed. And that's what Hashem is going to remove in the Yemot Mashiach. Now, in order to understand this Ramban, we have to first understand what the Ramban doesn't mean. Because many people misunderstand it, and then we can try to figure out what it does mean. I remember many, many years ago, I had a student, a young lady who um, who came from a non-observant background, and uh, who, towards the end of high school, became interested in um, became interested in becoming an observant Jew. And uh, she came to Eretz Yisrael, and she was studying in a certain institution which is geared towards people with very little Judaic background. Um, a very fine institution that's uh, sort of a beginner's program in Judaism. And she was uh, speaking to me about a, about a um, class that she took with a fairly well-known rabbi who, at least the way she described it, said something which I found to be very, very uh, troubling. Basically, the rabbi in this particular class was teaching this Ramban. And the way he presented the Ramban is that nowadays... Nowadays, we have uh, free choice. We have Bechirach Sheet. But when Mashiach comes, we're not going to have any Bechirach Sheet any longer. There won't be any free will. Automatically, everyone's going to do the right thing. Now, on one level, that is what the Ramban seems to be saying. In, in Dvarim, we read it a few minutes ago. Um, but in a moment, I'll show you that it's not quite that simple. Uh, but first, let's just understand what the problem with that is. The young lady raised her hand. And she said, really? When Mashiach comes, we're not going to have any free choice? Then I'm not sure I want Mashiach to come. And the rabbi smiled. So she reported the incident to me. The rabbi smiled. And he said to her, the rabbi, by the way, himself, uh, this fairly well-known rabbi, he's himself, someone who was Jose B'tshuva, someone who grew up originally not observant and became observant. He said, I understand why you're saying that. He smiled and he said, I understand why you're saying that. Tell me if I understand correctly. He said, you're very troubled because you have worked very hard to arrive at the point you're at. You basically had to change your lifestyle from the way in which you were raised. You had to um, completely alter your way of thinking and go against – your surroundings and break away from some of the cultural elements that you lived among, and really on your own, you had to work very hard to get to the point you're at. And you're proud of that, and you think that that's you feel that that's a sense of accomplishment, and you you want to continue struggling and accomplishing. And you fear that if you have no free will, if everybody just automatically does what's what's right, so on the one hand, maybe the world will be very very beautiful because everything will be good, but it also won't have any meaning because. No one really has to struggle, and no one really has to accomplish anything, and and nothing is really worth all that much in such a world. Am I correct? And the lady, young lady said, exactly. That's exactly what's troubling. And of course, the question that she asked was an excellent one, and it's the fundamental difficulty with this Ramban. And the rabbi answered her with an answer that I thought, at least the way she, maybe she misunderstood the answer. Maybe what he said was more, more sophisticated, but the way she understood it, what she reported to me was I found very troubling. He said, yes, in fact, I used to feel that way also, but I've come to understand that this is something we just have to accept because the reality is that you and I made the right choices, but most people make the wrong choices. And the basically, this is sort of like a chesed, something that, sort of like a kindness that we have to do for other people to be willing to give up our own reward and our own ability to accomplish so that the world uh, can reach perfection. Um, in other words, he sort of acknowledged that life isn't going to mean very much when Mashiach comes in. To me, that was quite troubling. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the Ramban means, but it can't mean. It can't mean that there's absolutely no free choice and that failure is impossible. Because when the Ramban is speaking about uh returning to the way we were in Eden, he's talking about returning to a state of existence that that existed for a brief moment in history at the beginning of time. And humanity failed the one test they had under that, that condition. Meaning it's not that there's no challenge to life. Adam and Chaba lived that way. And they must have been quite challenged because they failed. And all of human history according to the Torah is a result of that. So it's not that there will be no free will at all. Obviously there's going to be choice. And there's going to be struggle. And accomplishment is going to be difficult. But according to the Ramban, human nature is going to be something that's fundamentally different from anything that we can imagine. Essentially, if you think about it, a world where people can walk around naked without being embarrassed and without it having any negative effect on anybody is a world that is completely foreign to any sort of understanding of reality that that we could possibly have. And according to the Ramban, that's what's going to happen in Motu And if you remember way, way back in one of our early sessions, when we read those Pesukim and sheet we pointed out that the punishment for the sin is that mankind was expelled from Gan Eden. Adam and Chava were expelled from Gan Eden. And the Torah gives this very, very cryptic description that Hashem placed at the entrance to Gan Eden, at HaKruvim, Via lahat pechet, the kruvin, these angelic beings, in this revolving flaming sword, which frankly I have no idea what it means, but it said that it was there lishmor at derech eitzachayim, and we pointed out that 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 means that the path to Gan Eden, while blocked, still exists, and there's always the possibility of it being unblocked. At least according to the Ramban, that's what's going to happen when 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 human when humanity accomplishes its Mission and finally brings the world to this state of perfection, we reverse the sin of Adam Khava and we return to Gan Eden in order to complete the mission for, for which human beings were created in the first place. And that mission will undoubtedly also be filled with challenges and difficulties. But however you understand it, it's clear for the Ramban that the coming of the Mashiach means a world that's completely unrecognizable to us. And as we saw earlier the Rambam doesn't see it that way at all. The Rambam says very clearly in the in a direct contradiction to what the Ramban said, the Rambam says nothing's going to change. The world is going to go on exactly as it is now. Human nature will be the same. Animal nature will be the same. And the only thing that's going to change is the political organization of the world, a historical development at which people will stop fighting with one another. Not because there's something in their psychology that changes, but because society has become perfected And they all recognize the truth. And they grow up in a world that recognizes the truth. So after having presented the Shita of the Ramban, next week, Bezrat Hashem, we will look in more depth into the Shita of the Rambam. And I'll explain to you why I indicated today that I think the Rambam deserves special attention. And we'll see what this means and what this has to do with what we've been talking about. And uh, following that, we will wrap up the entire series and try to draw some conclusions from everything that we've been discussing. So until next week, I wish you Shalom.